morning, everyone. It's such an honor to be here today, um, especially being the seventh anniversary of celebrating with you guys. You guys have become like family to me, even though I live in Dickinson. Uh, we've done quite a lot of ministry together over the years, and I'm just so thankful for every single person in here, um, every person I've gotten to partner with. It started just as uh, worship. We needed a worship team for an event, and it's blossomed into quite a relationship. Um, and this is, again, quite an honor to be here, so I thank you. Um, as I was preparing for this message and thinking about uh, what what seven years means and, and how incredible that is, I can't, like, seven years goes by quickly. Um, and I was thinking about that, and I feel like um, God's Spirit kind of gave me a couple of things for you guys as a, as a house. And so um, I'm just going to deliver, deliver something for you guys as a house as you move into the next season. And then I'm actually going to ask uh, the elders and church staff to come up. So um, for now, we'll just we'll, we'll read. So entering into uh, your seventh year, it's almost the symbol of the Sabbath. My life this past year has been about discovering what the Sabbath is, um, and more than just a day, and more than just um, rest, it's about finding that place within the Father's love. And so I, I felt like um, the Holy Spirit was saying that this next year is going to be a time full of rest, and it's not necessarily like sleeping rest. I hope you get. I hope you get a lot of that. I pray for that for you. Uh, but it's it's almost like this deep place within your spirit where you know who the Father is and you can just rest with Him. It's a deep and restorative rest. And I, and I feel like you guys are heading into that season. I actually know that you guys are heading into that season. And I'm excited for that. The second thing um, that I see for this next season is development. Um, and and I, I think that means growth. I don't know. If, I don't. I don't. Not numbers growth, but um, growth in the people that you reach. And so the the church will continue to grow because this is a a, a life giving church, and I think that's attractive. So it's going to keep growing. But the reach that you guys have into the city is just going to continue to grow and grow and grow. And ultimately, that's what the church is for. And so I'm excited to watch that. Some development there. There's going to be, be partnerships, development in partnerships with churches and businesses and people around the community, and that's going to enhance this city, and I'm excited to watch that unfold because, again, the city is, is, is why we do this. And this next part is actually my favorite, favorite, favorite part, and it's almost like mind-blowing to me. Um, I feel like the Father was saying that you guys are going to step into the next level of worship as a worship team. And I'm like, I was like, like, how do they do that, God? They're already so amazing. That's my favorite part about this church is, is coming to worship with you guys because the atmosphere is so potent with Jesus. Um, and so somehow you guys are going to move into the next level of worship. I think there's there's just something there, and I think the Father is um, just coaxing you guys in there, and I'm so, again, so excited to watch that. And then the last thing, um, I feel like, the 
Holy Spirit was saying that there's going to be an unveiling of Jesus in a brand new way to you guys. Um, that your eyes are going to be opened, my eyes are going to be opened to him in a fresh and new way, in some way that we've never seen him before. Um, that the church is like, it's just going to catapult you guys into the next season of life. So I want to ask the elders and the um, church staff to come up here. I want to pray over you guys um, with your, yeah, if, if it's just you, yeah, come on. Um, but as a, as a de- declarative statement for these um, these things, I feel like the Father put on my heart. Uh, I want to I give this to you, and I want to just pray over you guys as you head into this season. So, let's go. We've got a couple more that are... Let's pray. Um, Father, I thank you so much for uh, your children here this morning, and I thank you so much for this church and what it means to me, what it means to the people here, what it means to this city. Um, And God, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you for the love that you bring us. Um, Jesus, I thank you for what you mean to us, what you mean in our lives, what your life means to us, and how it's altered everything about us. And Holy Spirit, I thank you for um, the way that you're actively moving in this church. And and so I just ask that you three would just move ahead with this church, um, that is, they ponder over um, everything of the past seven years and look ahead to the next seven, um, that that hope and joy and peace would would come upon them through the the ups and downs, Father, as they they climb the mountain, um, Father, they'd be able to, to be reminded of your faithfulness and, and um, be joyful. And as they look at the mountain that they had to climb, Father, that they'd be joyful and they'd be reminded of your faithfulness there too. Father. So I just ask um, for peace, for hope, for love, for joy to, to flow through this church. Um, and the staff and the elders here, Father, that you continue to be working in their minds and working with them as they make decisions, um, and ultimately that you just remind them of how good you are. In your son's name we pray, amen. Thank you, guys. Here we go. I'm excited. Seven years. Seven years is quite amazing. I'm like... I've only been alive for 24 years, so that's like a third of my life. It's awesome. I got a message today, um, and it, it, it carries over. It's in this series, The Comeback. Um, so I wore my Comeback Season sweatshirt. Actually, it's a cutoff. But I wore my Comeback Season cutoff. I used to wear this under my football pads, um, so it almost feels like game day for me. It is game day. But, I got a message titled, It's That Simple. It's That Simple. And we'll get to what that title means, but ultimately, who Jesus is, is simple. He's a simple guy. So we're going to read about him. Um, in Luke 23, 32 through 43, well, I think it's going to yeah, come on the screen. I'm just going to read through, tell you some, tell you some thoughts that I have. Um, and then we'll see, where, we'll see where we can go from there. So it says, Two criminals were led away with Jesus, and all three were to be executed together. When they came to the place that is known as the skull, the guards crucified Jesus, nailing him on the center cross between the two criminals. 
While they were nailing Jesus to the cross, he prayed over and over and over, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The soldiers, after they crucified him, gambled over his clothing. A great crowd started to gather to watch what was happening. The religious leaders sneered at Jesus and mocked him, saying, Look at this man. What kind of chosen Messiah is this? He pretended to save others, but he can't even save himself. There's a mob forming. There's a, there's a mob of people forming to ridicule Jesus and to, to make fun of him and to attack him. But they're grouping up. And this, this mob gets bigger. It says, The soldiers joined in the mockery by offering Jesus a drink of vinegar. Over Jesus' head on the cross was written an inscription in Greek, Latin, and Aramaic. This man is the king of all the Jews. And all the soldiers laughed and scoffed at him, saying, Hey, if you're really the king of the Jews, why don't you save yourself? And as if this mob wasn't big enough, it says that one of, one of the criminals hanging on the cross next to Jesus kept ridiculing him, saying, What kind of Messiah are you? Save yourself and save us from death. And this next part, this is my, this is my favorite part of the whole passage. It's simple. But it's my favorite part. It says, The criminal hanging on the other cross rebuked the man, saying, Don't you fear God? Like, don't, you, don't you know who God is? Don't you know that this is God hanging next to us? And you're about to die, and we deserve to be condemned, for we're just being repaid for what we've done. But this man... He's done nothing wrong. And then he said, I beg of you, my Lord Jesus, show me grace and take me with you into your everlasting kingdom. And Jesus responded, I promise you, this very day you will enter paradise with me. It's that simple. I read that the first time and I actually wrote that in my Bible because it's that simple. It's Simply the act of asking Jesus. It's the heart. It's the heart behind it. So in as simple as the words are, to say, Jesus, take me into your everlasting kingdom. Jesus, I want you in my life. It's actually not that simple. So my, title, my title is very contradictory, but the words are simple, but it's not simple because we need a heart behind these words. We need a heart that says, Father, I, I need you. Father, I, I need some healing. I need peace. And whether you know Jesus or not, whether you've been walking with him for a lifetime or you've never even you know, heard of him, we still need the same thing. We still need it over and over. Father, Father, I need you. Father, I need peace. Father, I need purpose. And so in, in, in as simple as the words are, it's harder for us to change our hearts sometimes. But I believe the moment that our heart even shifts just a little bit, the Father is right there. Father God's just right there waiting for us and He says, yeah, you're welcome into my kingdom because He sees us as his children. We are his children, actually. He doesn't just see us as his children. We actually are his children. Thanks for laughing.
I tell the people over in uh, Dickinson, I, um, I just broke a crew on Thursday, and I, I speak at FCA every so often, and I tell them all the time how much of a words of affirmation person I am. Um, and I've told them like four or five times, but they haven't gotten a hint that I like to be like told how, how good the message is going. So if you guys catch that, that'd be really cool. Thanks. Thanks. And the second your heart turns, the Bible says that there's there's no height, there's no depth, there's nothing that can separate us from the Father's love. And so the second your heart turns and you say, Father, I want you, his grace is like a flood. His grace washes over you. It restores you. It redeems you. And most importantly, I think it, it reminds you that you are his child. You are his son and you are his daughter. And I think that's, actually I know that that's the most important thing about life is our identity. And to know that, that our sins are forgiven and that they have been removed and that our Father loves us is the one core truth that we all need. And it's that simple. The second part about this passage um, is when, that I, that I want to highlight, is something that uh, I read in a book called The Last Arrow uh, by Erwin, Erwin McManus. And it's um, in verse 39, it says, One of the criminals hanging on the cross next to Jesus kept ridiculing him, saying, What kind of Messiah are you? Save yourself and save us from death. And so this guy, he's actually he actually doesn't want Jesus to save himself. He just wants Jesus to save him. It's kind of out, out for his own selfish means. And, and sometimes I think um, rather than embracing life, we just try to avoid death as we go through life. And let me tell you, avoiding death is not the same thing as embracing life. Trying to just be, be freed from the, or from dying, trying to not be killed on the cross is different than embracing Jesus as your life. And so the difference between these two criminals, one just wanted to avoid death. He said, save yourself and save me from this cross. I, I don't want to die. And the other one wanted to embrace life. He wanted to know Jesus. He wanted to know who he was. And so a challenge for you today is to, to look at your heart and look at your life and think about what are some areas that I'm maybe avoiding death rather than embracing life. How am, how am I doing that in my in my day to day? Whether it's simply not trusting Jesus in an area, trying to do something on your own, or not embracing His peace. That was good. So. <laughs> So we're, we're just going to have fun. It's a celebration today. So the first point is entry into the everlasting kingdom is simple. Yet it's complex because it's a heart change. 
Point number two is that avoiding death is not the same as embracing life. Because it really isn't. And point number three. Salvation is more than just entrance into the kingdom. It's more than just saying a prayer or avoiding death again or, or just wanting to be in heaven when I die but living however I want right now. Salvation changes here and now. Heaven is actively working in our lives the second that we turn to Jesus. I told him how I'd give him $20 if he stood up and clapped for me at some point today. But it's more than just entrance into the kingdom. And I believe that The criminal who defended Jesus shows us one of the most important things that Jesus ever taught, and that's to defend the person who can't defend himself. Not that Jesus couldn't defend himself, but he chose not to out of love. And to defend the outcast is to defend Jesus. In Matthew 25, Jesus highlights this um, when, he, when he's talking about what heaven is actually going to look like, what, what heaven actually is. And he says, Then the king will turn to those on his right and say, You have a special place in my father's heart. Come and experience the full inheritance of the kingdom realm that has been destined for you from before the foundation of the world. For when you saw me hungry, you fed me. When you found me thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I had no place to stay, you invited me in. When I was poorly clothed, you covered me. And when I was sick, you tenderly cared for me. And when I was in prison, you visited me. Then the godly will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty and give you food and something to drink? When did we see you with no place to stay and invite you in? And when did we see you poorly clothed and cover you? When did we see you sick and tenderly care for you or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Don't you know? When you cared for one of the least important of these, my little ones, my true brothers and sisters, you demonstrated love for me. It's simple, and yet it's complex. Again, to defend the outcast is to defend Jesus. And that is what life is about. Jesus' greatest teaching, the, the um, commandment that Jesus said was the greatest, was to, to A, love God, and B, love his children. And I believe that passage demonstrates both. I believe this passage of Jesus on the cross dem demonstrates both in Sometimes I think I, I just read through Jesus on the cross. I think I, I've heard the story so many times in my life that I'm like, oh, it's Jesus on the cross. He saved my life. And I, and I turn the page. But I don't want to do that anymore. You know, the, the message of Jesus 
has to infiltrate my heart over and over and over and over again to stir my heart up to love God more and to stir my heart up to love His children more because that's what He demonstrated on the cross. To love God and to love people. You know, that verse in Matthew 25, it doesn't really mean anything unless Jesus means something to us. You know, it's a, it's a good moral code to live by, sure, to, to defend people who can't defend themselves, but it doesn't really mean anything unless Jesus means something to you. Because then you know that's your calling in life. To defend the, the poor and the needy and the broken and the broken in spirit. Every one of us has been that person at some point in our life and we needed someone to defend us. So it's our opportunity to defend them. Your setback is God's setup for your comeback. I love that. Raph told me that was kind of the theme that that got carried over from last week. And I want to carry that into the into this week. I, th I think it's going to be um, the theme for across the next couple of weeks. But your setback is God's setup for your comeback. One of the greatest setbacks in this whole story is actually the people who are nailing Jesus to the cross. The soldiers, the mob, the other soldiers, the other mob, and the, the criminal on his right, they all formed this group that was against Jesus. Though his love was being poured out on the cross, they were against him because they did not understand. They were blinded to what was happening. And even those people, Jesus forgives. It's wild. It, it, it says, while they were nailing Jesus to the cross, he prayed over and over and over again, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. In my footnote, it says, the Greek text implies a repetitive action. He did not pray, Father, forgive me, but forgive them. As a centurion crushed him to the ground and tied his arms to the crossbeam, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. When the spikes tore through each quivering palm, he prayed, Father, forgive them. And when the soldiers parted his garments and gambled for the seamless robe, again Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them. Only heaven really knows how many times that prayer was spoken. And it's spoken over all our lives, too. So many times throughout the day. It's spoken every time we... choose not to trust Jesus. We choose to trust our own thoughts, our own heart, our own whatever, instead of trusting that Jesus' plan is greater. It's, it's present every time, the moment that we make a mistake, the moment we lie, the moment we yeah, every time, every time 
this message is like so raw and real to me. Like this is the second time I've sat right before the message and cried just because, because this message is real. It's it's real to me. It happened last time too. But it, it, it takes recognizing that the Father's love is so, so, so big. And that his forgiveness is so, so real to change our lives. You know, I can't become someone that loves and defends the orphan and the outcast every day. I, I can't do that on my own. I would get too tired. I would get too annoyed probably. I, would get, I just wouldn't want to do it anymore. And I need Jesus in my life. I need him in my life for the moments that I fall, the moments that I, I make mistakes and, and feel like my life is over because of what I've done and I need him in my life for the moments when I feel like I'm doing really good because I know that's him. Well, can you come up? Actually, whole band, you guys just come on up. We'll start this out. I'm not one for subtlety, as you can see. So there's three things. Three different types of comebacks that were mentioned today. And I believe that, that we all fall into one of these three categories, if not two or three of them. I'll come up in two or three of them at some point. And so I want to ask, number one, do you know Jesus? You know, it's, it's, again, so simple. And yet it's kind of complex. Do you know what peace is like? looks like? Do you know what purpose looks like? Do you know what it, 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 it means to be fulfilled? I know somebody who, who does. And I know somebody who brings all that. Have you been trying to avoid death rather than embracing life? I think this is the most common thread that runs through my life. I, I, uh, I'm not necessarily afraid of, of dying, but I'm afraid of people in my life dying. Yeah, it's one of those root fears that I have. And uh, I think that that becomes more of a motivation for me than trying to enjoy the moments that I have. And so the question, have you been trying to avoid death rather than embrace life, becomes ever so real for me in those moments that fear tries to take over. There's no fear in love. A perfect love casts out from 
Fear and love cannot exist on the same pathway. It's either all, all fear or all love. And in the moment we're in, in Jesus' presence, love becomes who we are. And the third question that I want to ask you is, is are you defending the outcomes? I'm going to have my friends pass out some, some sticky notes. Uh, I like to do this as a, a tangible way to take to take something away from the message to remind you. And you guys are doing that with the, the envelopes as well. But the three questions, and now these are these are three very important questions in our life. Of, number one, do you know Jesus? Number two, are you, are you embracing life? And number three, are you defending the outcasts? In Matthew 5, 7, Jesus tells his listeners, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. In saying this, Jesus reveals an important point about the way in which God's divine mercy flows. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. It's not a currency exchange formula through which we earn mercy. Meaning if we show enough mercy, we will receive some in return. Rather, it is an indication that the pathway through which God's mercy travels to us is the very same pathway through which, through which we pass it on to others. If we cut off the pathway to one, we automatically cut off the pathway to the other. This, Jesus shows us, is how it works. If our heart is open to showing mercy to others, we will be open to receiving it as well. And so with those three questions in mind, I want, I want to ask you, are you on the pathway of mercy? Are you showing mercy to others and defending the outcasts? For in that, you'll be open to receiving mercy. And ultimately, are you open to receiving mercy? From the Father. Are you open to embracing who He is? Because I mean, He's going to change your life when you really start to embrace who He is. Are you ready for it? So I want you to write down on the sticky note um, whatever area you feel like out of those three questions. Um, whatever area you feel like you're, you're resonating with and, and what it is you need to do moving forward. And then as you as you finish that, the sticky note is for you, but there's pebbles in these little bowls and, and I want you to hold on to that through the first song. Hold on to the pebble and really ponder what it means, whether it's Jesus. I don't know if I've ever actually embraced your, your life into mine. Ponder what that means. And if that's the case, I want to ask you to ask him into your life today. As you do that, you say, Father, I just, I just want to know you. I know, I've, I know that I've made mistakes. I know that these things have separated me from you in this relationship, but I know that I want 
And at some point during the song, drop that in, in the water. And if you say, Father, I don't know if I'm embracing life more than I'm avoiding death, but I want to. I want to do that, and I need your help. So ponder that and then drop it into the bucket. And lastly, you might, you might say, Father, I don't know quite how to defend the outcasts. I don't know how to defend the orphan. I don't know how to feed the poor and, and help the homeless, but I, I want your help. I want to know that you're moving through me and that I'm coming to the aid of the broken spirit. And so ponder that. And when you're ready, just drop them into the bucket. These are symbolic acts. For us as we, as we go today, to know that, number one, I, I know what it is I want to change in my life, and number two, that the Father's with me. So as we sing this song, go ahead and write on the sticky note, embrace the, uh, the rock and let it go.